We appreciate so much the choir and their leadership uh, in worship and all the extra effort uh, that they put into uh, this service today. For the past several years, we've had extra music uh, on Palm Sunday, and it's always a very meaningful time, and extra music means less preaching, so don't, don't worry, we'll get you, get you out in time. We are completing our Lenten series today entitled Aspects of Worship that Draw Us Closer to God. We've been looking at Psalm 96 uh, this entire Lenten season and today I'll read for us uh, the last part of this psalm, verses 9 through 13. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before Him all the earth, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. I don't mean to bring up a sore subject, but I'm just curious how many of you work your own taxes every year? A few who are brave, not too many. Don't you just love that job? This was a good week for several reasons, but one of those reasons was that I finally was able to send in my federal taxes, which I had been working on, on and off, since the month of January. And if you work on your own taxes, you know that the federal government has rules and regulations for everything. You even have to send them to a certain place Uh, depending on where you live, and yes, that means I still mail mine, and that doesn't mean that I'm a dinosaur, though some of the staff might argue with that, but what it means is that some of the forms that preachers use are not supported electronically, uh, for which I'm thankful. And the rule states, you know, you have to do this, you can't do that, use this form, look up this item in the instructions, and on and on it goes as if the federal government is the be-all and end-all of everything, to use a phrase from Shakespeare. But that's not what our text says. Or listening to the politicians, we can get the same idea. I don't know if you noticed the tenor of all of those uh, myriads of uh, television presidential ads we've had over the last uh, couple of months. Uh, But, you know, it makes no difference if they're Democrat or Republican. They all make these far-reaching promises as if the President of the United States is omnipotent. I will do this, I will repeat that, I'll go after this company, I'll see to it that this happens. They sound like they believe they will be, in essence, the next ruler of all we know and are. But that's not what our text says. 
in our passage, we have this same call to worship that we've looked at together for the past several weeks. And we see the psalmist's clear call for worship here in verse 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. During past weeks, we have seen praise lead to singing. We've seen praise lead to prayer. We've seen praise lead to proclamation, generosity. And this week, we see praise lead to submission. In fact, that's why I pay taxes. Not because I necessarily enjoy it, but because the Lord reigns. And there is, as Paul puts it in Romans 13, no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now John Calvin makes an interesting comment in regard to this passage. He says that the language of the psalmist implies that it is only where God rules and presides that He can be worshipped. He goes on to say, the Gentiles could not possibly profess the worship of God so long as His throne was only in a small corner located in Judea. And they were not acknowledging His government. And I think what that means is that if you and I come in here for worship on any given Lord's Day and we're basically living our lives the way we want doing the things we want to do without a thought whatsoever for God's rule, then we're really not worshiping the living God. We're just going through the motions. It's only those people who by God's power have seen Him as King and sit under Him as one who rules. It's only those people who truly worship. Those who can say among all of the peoples of the world that the Lord reigns. This is why declaring His kingship and worship, bowing to Him as King of kings and Lord of lords draws us closer to Him because only as we see Him as King can we truly worship. And we are here to worship. We've come into the Lord's house to sing His praises. But what do our lives say? Our decisions, our priorities, our submission to God and His call upon our lives and our time and our gifts and our financial resources and everything else. Or is there a lack in all of that? who is really in control of our world and our lives. You see, just as Israel was called to proclaim to the nations that the Lord reigns, so do you and I have that same commission because what the psalmist declares in this song, Jesus acted out in person when He came to this earth. Right at the beginning of His gospel, Mark tells us Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent 
and believe in the gospel. In other words, people were to repent and believe because the kingdom of God is now a present reality. And on this day that we refer to as Palm Sunday, Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem to the sounds of the crowds saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And Luke tells us in his gospel that some of the Pharisees in the multitude that day said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Like, don't you hear what they're saying? Don't you see how wrong they are? Rebuke them. And Jesus said, I tell you, if they remain silent, even the very stones would cry out. You see, the whole creation delights in the fact that God reigns. Especially we in the northern hemisphere at this time of the year where Easter coincides with the beautiful blooms everywhere. It's like all of nature is celebrating the fact that God reigns. This is what the psalmist, or at least part of what he's talking about, when he says in verse 11 and following, let the heavens be glad and and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. And everything in the field would include those stones to which Jesus referred. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes, He comes to judge the earth. And you and I, we hear a word like that, judge the earth, and immediately, probably most of us think about that final judgment to which all creation will one day see. But that's not what's being communicated in this psalm. That phrase, to judge, in the Hebrew has a very broad meaning. It includes government of any kind. Governmental rule is more the notion here in our psalm than some kind of far-off eschatological event. We can read here that He will judge the world in righteousness, which is to say that His method of governing is to form and regulate our lives to His righteousness, to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that can't happen until we've subjected ourselves to the rule of this King who comes in the name of the Lord. In fact, that's what the gospel of grace does. I mean, think about it. When the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to cause us to see our need for God's saving grace in Jesus Christ and His blood shed on the cross for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. This is when we see the truth of Paul's words that he gives us in Romans 8 when he says, If Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead because of sin, your spirits are alive because of righteousness. And you know, this is what the psalmist is talking about. This is how God governs. He governs in righteousness. And Paul talks a great deal 
about righteousness in the book of Romans. In the sixth chapter alone, we see that word five different times. He talks there about how our old self was crucified with Jesus so that the sinful body might be destroyed so that we might yield ourselves to God. You see the submission there that we might yield ourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and our members to God as instruments of righteousness. God is governing His world in righteousness by His own faithfulness and He expects His people to emulate His example and to live the same way. But it's not just that we try to live like Jesus by the power of His Holy Spirit, as important as that is, but we also follow His leadership, His governance as we seek to live for Him. Think about that so-called Great Commission that He gives to His disciples and that Matthew records for us in His 28th chapter. You remember what Matthew tells us right before Jesus gives that commission? He says, "...the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw Him, they worshipped Him." And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus can give that commission because He's been given the authority to do so. And I hope that you heard what he said. He said all authority, not just some authority, has been given to me. It will not be given at some point in the future. It's already been given. It's a present reality. Right now, the Lord reigns. Jesus is the mediatorial king through whom all of God's authority and power are mediated. And this resurrected Jesus pictured in Matthew 28 as He is with His disciples clearly alludes to His fulfillment of that prophecy in the book of Daniel where the Son of Man has been given all authority and and power and glory who's rightly worshipped by all nations and whose dominion and kingdom last forever. This Truth is why Paul can come along like he does in Philippians 2 where basically he's talking about humility. He's talking about how we we need to count others better than ourselves. And so to have an illustration of that kind of humility, he talks about Jesus who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And, And Paul's made his point about humility, but he can't stop. That's when he says, therefore, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? is Lord 
is, is master, is king, is ruler to the glory of God the Father. Paul says every knee will bow. And this is what the psalmist is doing. He's issuing an invitation for you and me to bow in God's presence, to delight in who God is and what He has already done and what He will continue to do in the future. This is why He says, Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory. Say among all the nations that the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns today and forevermore. And may you and I do that to His honor and glory each and every day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we 